you know, there it seemed like there was a time where businesses really prided themselves on truly caring about uh, about their customers. They still say it. It's still kind of a tagline. People, you know, the co companies still say, oh, we care about our customers. But the proof is in the pudding and in the service and in the product. And you can tell they don't care, right? So you can say it all you want, but it's clear that you don't care. <laughs> Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day -day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. There we go. We're back again in the new studio for me, at least. Yeah, <laughs> looks looks posh, man. Yeah, <laughs> those virtual backgrounds help with that. Are you green screening it? No, no, just the no. the virtual background. Uh, it, it is like churning away uh, with the browser because of the 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 additional processing power needed to for like it. Match that background. Yeah. So it's like if I had a green screen, it it doesn't take nearly the the resources. So I, I might get a get a green screen. Jen has a green screen. Yeah. Company yeah, so. provided. I so it, so it sounds like there's precedent. Okay. Yeah, I might do it then. Because <laughs> originally I was gonna blur the background, but I I didn't like the look of the blurred background. So I thought maybe the just going the, with the virtual screen for, for right now. Well, it's doing a pretty. I mean, other than the huge processing power, it's yeah, it's actually doing a pretty solid job. Can you hear the the fans mm -hmm. going? A little bit. Okay, it's so just I'll, like a low hum. Okay, so I'm gonna make sure I am on mute. Then it's. I mean, if you wouldn't have said it, I don't think anyone would have noticed. But you can definitely hear some some like white noise in the background. Okay. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Do. Yeah. Okay, so I will just make sure when when you're talking, and then you know maybe I might go out and buy a green screen today, so so as not to deal with that. But I've got my handy stream deck right here, so I. Nice. Very easily. <laughs> nice. Ah, the stream All right. deck. We, 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 we need to do some live streams so you can really push the stream deck to its uh, maximum usage. Yeah, it, it's on my list for this year. And I think really the, the pilot's going to be when we're at Marketing Analytics Summit in two months. Yeah. I think that's when I just might set up just, just to test it out for like shits and giggles. Set up some live streams from the... Uh, the suite mm -hmm. and just whoever comes by wants to come in and chat with us or whoever wants to come by, you know, via YouTube or whatever wants to come by and chat. Like this is a chance. Like you've talked on social media multiple times about the, the suites you've gotten at conferences. This is one way we can, we can show it off. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun. Also just a side note. Um, yeah. The suite's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I'm gonna have to go back and look at the the photos, but I want to say in that patio there was like an outdoor kitchen. There is. There's an outdoor bar. You know, we, we definitely need to hit the the uh, the market when we get down there and like do some cooking. 
I'll exactly. Together, that'd be fun. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I don't know what it was, but I don't think your stereo settings took effect. And then you hit the mute and came back, and then the stereo was in effect because when you turned this way, I could only hear it coming out of my right ear. And then okay. it panned back. It was cool. I, I want to see how it turns out. I might turn it off going yeah. forward. We'll see. I could hear it too when you when you turn your head. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll we're yeah we're we're experimenting with with yeah. things. Yeah, that's what we do. Oh, but, what was my second thing? Was my set drive? I had a second thing. What were we talking about? Uh, oh, no, maybe we're, we're talking right. about the suite yeah, and, and hanging out there. Else. But so It'll come back to me. Yeah, I, I've already talked to John about recording some stuff in person with him. Uh, I've got some good ideas there. And then I was talking with Jen yesterday, and she and I went on a Facebook Cappy rant, mm. and just like the the whole process with it and how sneaky I think people are being with it. I, at this point, I will call it what it is. I think it's it's sneaky. There's a bit of duplicitousness with it. And because she was highlighting, you know, she, she built these diagrams out on the way it's supposed to work and how people are implementing it. I'm like, well, here's why. And I said, at least my opinion on why they're kind of doing this half-assed version. And it's purely just to check an item off a list. So I said, when we're out at Summit, uh, the Marketing Analytics Summit, we should do like a, a, a literally do a Facebook cappy, you know, rant recording, because like at this point, like I just, I I have so many problems with it, and it's because it's it, it's not fully baked. I will say it from what I've seen, from what I've heard from others, it's not fully baked, and there is you could tell that there is absolutely a. Uh, sales bonus for those agencies that sell it with how hard they're selling it. And and it may not even be a bonus. A lot of times these agencies actually have quota. So the agencies are actually treated like an official sales executive sales channel and they're given a quota and if they don't meet their quota I mean, sure, there's financial component to it. So based on you reaching quota you get certain um, amount of uh, payment for for that um, in the terms of commission, um, but there's also um, things that you lose if you don't hit your quota. Obviously, you lose the financial piece, but there's also things as a partner, whether it's you know joint go to market strategies or access to different so- solutions or tools. You lose those if you don't hit your quota. So it's, it's very likely a lot of these agencies have a pretty high quota that Facebook has slapped on them that they're really aggressively trying to to hit. Yeah, and, and you could just see it. And I had mentioned how with one client, uh, you know, I, I, I had a very honest conversation with them because they had another agency pushing it. And I'm like, I don't think it's in your best interest. And I'm not saying that to create a turf war or start a pissing contest with another agency. You know, I don't want to start a feud there that them pushing. This is not in your best interest. And here's why. And I gave them a couple questions to ask. I asked them, you know, how many, you know, of the clients they've migrated, what was the estimated budget? And what was the final budget? And what has been the typical actual LOE? to get this up because they pitch it as just a couple checks here, a couple deployments there and you're good to go. Yeah. And our experience with other clients is, is it's been anything but. And then I said, ask them for 
specific client testimonials or use cases where it improved a client's program. Because right now they're pitching it as being prepared for the cookie-less future. And that's great if you want to be on the bleeding edge. And this is going to be a good lead-in for our conversation today. Um, but the teams you need to get involved and the effort we've actually seen it take is it takes more. Like You need to be able to say that you're doing more than just future-proofing. You need to actually show return on investment with it because it, it, while they pitch it as easy, we've seen it be something incredibly expensive. Um, and so this, this other agency came back, they completely ignored my first question around what has been the typical LOE actually after the project comparisons between estimates and, you know, final, uh, final costs. And they didn't talk about any of their clients. They just sent back, generic Facebook, uh, case studies. And, and that was just a major sign. You know, I already knew that they were reselling, but to me, that was a, a major sign that they wouldn't give any of their own client testimonials. Which leads us back to the question that we always talk about that should be asked is that is what your agency, your consultant, your vendor, proposing something that feels like is in your best interest or in their best interest or in 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 the best case scenario is it something that is jointly beneficial and and most most of these conversations it is abundantly clear that this is really only in the best interest interest of the agency um it's it's very high pressure tactics um oftentimes they're not even taking the time to position it as how it's going to be meaningful for this specific company. It's a very, I think to your point, a lot of generalizations and we just have to do this because it's going to make everything better. Who, who's slowing down the conversation to say, why? <laughs> why is it going to make it better? And, and oftentimes there isn't a really good answer to, to that. Um, and we've seen over many, many different use cases, lots of different companies, um, lots of different use cases, lots of different industries, the same story is played out over and over again. High pressure tactics, usually pushed on the marketing organization. Um, they're equipped with uh, a strategy to almost beat up the analytics and MarTech teams that this just has to get done, make it your top priority. Nobody knows why uh, it gets deployed, and then there's mass frustration because we don't see the value that we're getting. And and sometimes, and we've seen uh, legal teams come back and say, "Wait a minute, you're literally sending every piece of data we have to Facebook? No, 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 no. You got to turn this thing off, you know." But it, it's it's so rushed through the process that proper vetting isn't even done to say like, "What are we sending? Why are we sending it? What are we going to get out of it?" And those are often very red flags that a decision is being made that is probably not in your best interest. Yeah, or to this is where I'm going to segue. By the way, um, you know, we were talking last week um, about you know what is what, what what does it mean or who is that person that we label the ultimate buyer, and 
we were talking about like, do you, do you know who that person is? Because they may oftentimes not be who you're engaging with on a day-to-day basis for a project or even the day-to-day of, of an engagement. And I want to, to zoom in on that a bit more today and ask the question of, do you have your ultimate buyer in mind? Um, you know, like we were talking last week about like the ultimate buyer, the person who signs the check, maybe a high level executive who is a couple levels removed from, from the project, you know, whether it's a specific implementation project or an ongoing engagement and Facebook happy right now is being pushed by agencies that have, have ongoing engagements. And, um, you know, that, that person has delegated the day to day to somebody else, but since they're the ultimate signer, they're ultimately the person that is, is going to consume whatever work is involved there. Um, so what does it mean to keep that ultimate buyer in mind? We, we, we discussed again, I'll repeat, we discussed last week about who that person was, but what does it mean to keep them in mind and tying it to the conversation that we just had about, you know, what we're seeing in the market with Facebook Cappy being pushed the way it is, I feel it's safe to say that the ultimate buyer isn't being kept in mind there because the ultimate buyer is, is going to be the one that wants to know, like, what's our return on this? What benefits do we see? How does the program improve? They're not necessarily going to be a fan of, oh, we're future proof for a future that may or may not come. Let's face it. Like, yes, cookies are under scrutiny, but I just, I mean, this is a complete other rant for another day. I do feel like I've seen this rodeo before. <laughs> so, but like, let me go back to my question. I, I, I've digressed way too much from the intro for our topic, but kind of going back to that, like, what does it mean to have that person in mind? Well, I, I think oftentimes it completely changes the the conversation um, from being how do we and I, I don't want to well maybe I will how do we how do we trick or coerce or pressure our point of contact into helping push a sale through it, it changes it from that tactic to a strategy of let's truly spend time together to understand what you're trying to solve for as an organization and a Let's figure out if this is even the right approach for you, which it may or may not be. And I think that that's where a lot of these agencies are making a very um, a very poor decision in terms of the decision they're making for the client is they're, they're taking what is best for them. I need to sell Facebook Cappy because I get a kickback from Facebook. And they're applying that to their client saying, we know best what's, what's best for the client. They need Facebook Cappy. Without even again asking the question, like, do they really need it? You know, what what is this solving for? The 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 person, that ultimate buyer who's signing the check, is it going to help make their job easier, help them better communicate with customers, help them provide more positive experiences with 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 prospect prospective customers? They're not slowing down and, and asking that that question. And it's, it's very problematic. And so, again, I think it's a night and day difference of shifting from high pressure, let's try to close this, push the sale through, to let's slow down and figure out, first of all, is this the right thing? And if it is, how do we do this in such a way that it's mapping to outcomes that are going to provide um, positive value for 
customers. And it's clear that that's not happening. Because again, I don't think that the companies that we have visibility into are unique, that it just so happens to be they're the ones that aren't getting great value out of this. It's representative of the whole that this is happening across the board on a very broad spectrum. And it's because that ultimate buyer um, isn't kept in mind. And and I think a huge part of this is driven by a lack of accountability from these agencies is no one's really standing up to them and saying, this isn't right. <laughs> like you're, you're making decisions on our behalf that are, are, are not in our best interest. No one, no one's holding them accountable to that. And so they keep doing it. And if they do get caught, it doesn't matter. They go on to the next host. You know, they're, this is not a symbiotic relationship. Uh, it's not a relationship where both parties are, supporting each other it's a it's a host virus relationship or whatever you want to call it um that they come in they 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 suck as much value out of the organization as they can and once they're found out or there's no more value to get you know sucked out of the organization they're like okay we'll go find another host that we can you know and it's just this ongoing cycle and it's it's incredibly unfortunate and i think it's a big reason why not only are we seeing companies failing to get the promised ROI from things like Facebook Cappy, but it's why we're seeing so much volatility right now in agency relationships. So many companies are refreshing their agency relationships. So it's like, oh, we need to go with a new agency because this is broken. I'm like, well, unless we under unless we understand the underlying reason why that's happening, the agency recommending things that's in their best interest, not ours we're likely going to go out and pick another agency that's going to replicate the same problem. So, you know, I think it's important to bring these conversations to to the light of day. And this isn't to, you know, th this isn't to be overly negative or um, what's the what's the right way to phrase it? Like overly critical of agencies and, and businesses, but if no one's willing to stand up and have this conversation, nothing's going to change. Businesses are going to continue to be frustrated and lose money on these investments. And agencies are going to continue to extract money out of companies that they honestly don't deserve. Yeah, I love how you, you brought in the term symbiotic relationship. Or at least, you know, keeping that, that ultimate buyer in mind you know, cultivates a symbiotic relationship where it ultimately benefits the client, ultimately benefits, you know, the agency involved. And right now we're looking at it from third-party agency and the, a client relationship, but this could be internally as well. Um, you know, have, you know, the, the time that, um, you know, I, I've spent, you know, I, you know, previous companies I worked at while I was, a vendor to, to a client, you know, you still had internal stakeholders and I time and time again, I'd see projects kick off and people would be like, you know, you would ask like, why are we doing this or what's the benefit? And people would be like, I don't know. I was just assigned to it. You know, another day, another dollar. Um, you know, I'm, I've just, you're on mute by the way. That's okay. Cause I was going to talk over you anyway. So, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, because it's just a job, right? Um, we don't care. We don't care about the outcome. And again, I'm not going to be at this job long term enough for it to matter. I don't care what, you know, so I'm just going to do what I have to do to get by to maximize my paycheck. And like, 
it, we, we've gotten to this place where there's a lack of care. There's a lack of professionalism. There's a lack of respect for the craft. It's just, we're just trying to crank out as many widgets as we can in as short a period of time as we can. And who cares? Like if we're creating crap and filling up landfills and creating weight, like I don't care. We're getting paid. I, I, it's, again, it's at some point in time, there needs to be some accountability for, for doing this in a healthier way. I mean, we, we have all the evidence in the world. Like all we have to do is look at nature to see that this doesn't work and that there are other solutions that, that work. You know, if we if we want to continue to go down this host relationship where we have organisms that are taking advantage of the host, we know from nature that that is not sustainable, right? Like eventually the host runs out of resources and so you got to go find a new host. Um, that doesn't seem like the type of relationship that I want to be involved in. And, and on the flip side, nature provides us a lot of evidence that the opposite works, yet it feels like we're either incented or inclined or maybe we don't know any better to do the opposite when it comes to business. I mean, we've we've all seen Finding Nemo, right? Like the clownfish and the sea anemone have this symbiotic relationship where they they are taking from each other in a way that is sustainable forever. Like that works in business. Why is it that we're 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 taking such an opposite approach when it comes to vendors and agencies? Uh, selling into companies in a very predatory way instead of a, a friendly way in which we can both benefit from each other. It seems like that more sustainable path is is the way. But again, I think we're so focused on right now, immediate gratification. I don't want to think, I don't even want to think about next week, let alone next year. So I don't care. But at some point in time, it's going to catch up to us, right? Yeah. And I think if, if we were to start with the employee level, it's in most organizations, employees feel, um, powerless, uh, not, no, not helpless. Uh, um, expendable. That's, I, I was trying to say, I wanted to say indispensable, but it was the opposite. You know, they, they feel expendable Yeah. that like, I mean, there's jokes in some industries that it's like, if you were to die today, you're, you're, they'd have your, your job posted before your seat got cold. Yeah. Well, so I, I think mean, that has yeah. a lot to do with it where it's like the, they don't care about me. So I don't care about them. As, as long as I check things off, um, I get paid yeah. and when I'm no longer needed, they're going to let me go and I'll, I'm going to move on to something else. So it's maybe in, in some cases, it's not a predatory, um, thing. It's a, they don't care about, I, I, they don't care about me. I don't care about them. You know, it's a transactional relationship. Yeah, I mean, sadly, you're 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 right, and I think this probably goes down a whole t- another line of, of of questions and answers. But it, well, it, well I, no, it, go ahead, yeah, sorry. It, it, I mean, it 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 speaks a lot to so many of the conversations that we're seeing in the market today around quiet quitting and employees not working hard enough and employees not caring and and all of this. And it, it's it's sad that so much of that is being put on on the employee, but to, to your point, like they're, they're basically reflecting back what they get. It's like, well, you don't care about me. I'm not going to care about you. So we'll just do the transaction and then we'll call it good. So uh, again, somewhere along the line, someone's going to have to be the bigger person and help break this, this cycle, or we're going to continue to be nothing but these transactional relationships, which 
I don't know about you, but feel incredibly hollow. They don't feel fulfilling, you know, and, and it's like we're putting, I don't know what the data says, but massive percentage of our waking hours involved in work relationships that we're knowingly going into that are, that hold very little meaning or value that that's, it's, it's depressing to think about. T- tell me you're going to talk about that CEO that praised the employee that, you know, <laughs> sold the family dog so they can be in the office more. Have, have you, have you been watching me get into it? I read it last night and then I saw your post earlier today. Yeah. And I, I, it's, it's been interesting to watch some people come out of the woodwork and defend it and, you know, that's, yeah, so the, the, if, if for those listening that haven't heard the story, and there's, it, it seems like there have been multiple of these, and, you know, for right or wrong, there was a, a company based here in Utah, um, it seems like, I don't, I don't know, but it seems like from the message the CEO is giving that maybe they're not hitting their performance goals, that there may be some financial pressures, um, had a company-wide Zoom call, which one of the employees leaked to the internet in which the the CEO kind of went off on this seemingly incoherent rant about um, you know working mothers are the problem because they're trying to take care of their kids and work and you can't do that and praising this one this one lady who sold her dog so she could go back into the office and talking about how people that work remote are, are working multiple jobs and not well, this really making these incredibly broad sweeping statements uh, again seemingly out of frustration that his company wasn't hitting their financial goals and I'm just like this guy is like just it feels unhinged like why are we attacking you know it it's so frustrating to me to see these leaders attack the employees rather than looking at it as, and, and you and I, Jim, have had lots of these conversations in our own internal kind of leadership calls where, where we said, look, our first um, view of things needs to be, what are we doing wrong? Or what can we be doing better? If our initial instinct is the team sucks, the team is doing it wrong, we're, we're missing out on a huge opportunity to reflect on our actions and what we're doing as leaders to make sure that we're creating the, the right environment for for what we want to happen. And so when I see things like this happen, and, and to be fair, I don't have the full story, but, you know, seeing leaders just blast their employees rather than turning that retrospection in, internally to say, well, maybe it isn't about remote work. Maybe it isn't about working mothers. Maybe it isn't about, you know, all of these things that I'm making about. Maybe, maybe we don't have the right leadership in place. Maybe we haven't put in the right effort to to build the right environment where remote workers can be successful and um you know that just causes so many of these problems and when we do this it kind of gets back to this ultimate thing that you said well if you don't care about me and it's clear from this message you don't care about me i don't care about you i'm gonna do you know what does he say on uh, office space i'm gonna do the bare minimum just to not get fired and i'll get paid and then we'll, we'll call it good and, and that's what the CEO was railing about. He's like, you guys aren't doing enough work. You're not hustling hard enough. You're not, you know, just try to outwork me. I'm going to work harder than you guys. And it's like, wow, that's super motivating, dude. Like, I'm sure this is going to make your team want to work more. No, it's straight out of office space. Like, you know, the only motivation I have is to not get fired. So I'm going to do the bare minimum for you because that's what you're giving me. Yeah, there's that, there's that one quote, and I don't know who it's by, 
Um, but it's like, don't push your employees to the point where they no longer care. It's one thing to motivate. It's one thing to nudge. It's one thing to push when you see that like that a, a person or a group has greater potential, but it's another thing to push them beyond that and to a point where they just don't care anymore. Right. Because that's the thing is, is they're going to do the bare minimum. And that brings us back to where we started this is like, why don't people keep that ultimate buyer in mind? So bringing us back yeah. to, to the topic, it's, it's exactly that. You push yeah. you know, people too hard. They don't care. They're going to do the bare minimum. And keeping the ultimate buyer in mind for your project, for your engagement, again, whether it's you're part of a team on an internal project or you're running an engagement as part of an agency, knowing who ultimately is the consumer is and who they are that takes effort, that takes time, that takes caring. Yeah. And if you have employees that don't care, they're not going to take that extra step. Because when you think of the ultimate buyer, you know, not just getting to know who they are, but it's understanding what their expectations are. And chances are their expectations are much higher, you know, than what, say, others on the individual day-to-day project team are. Yeah. Like there's a client we're working with right now to is migrating email service providers and, you know, talking with the person that made that decision, her goals go beyond just running an email program. But if you were to talk the, to just the individuals on the day-to-day portion of that project, they care about transactional emails going out. They go about, they care about triggered emails. They're not thinking beyond where this other main stakeholder is thinking where her mind is and why she made certain decisions. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm glad you, you brought up this, this example, because I think it's, it's such a pertinent example and, and underlying cause for why we, we don't care. Um, and it, and it seems like a lost art plug for my hippie CEO newsletter, uh, which last Friday I talked about the lost art of caring. Um, we've, you know, there it seemed like there was a time where businesses really prided themselves on truly caring about uh, about their customers. They still say it; it's still kind of a tagline. People, you know, the co- companies still say, "Oh, we care about our customers," but the proof is in the pudding, and in the service, and in the product. And you can tell they don't care, right? So you can say it all you want, but it's clear that you don't care. And I think a huge part of it is is that caring comes from the employees. You know, the, the CEO, the executive team can say we care, but they're not the, they're not the front line. They're not engaging with your employees every day. And so if 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 they don't care about you as the employee, you're not going to care about the customer. It seems like a Richard Branson thing, right? Like take care of your your employees and they'll take care of your customers or care about your employees like you want them to care about your customers. That's what we're seeing. We're seeing these CEOs and these executives that clearly don't care about their employees then the employees turn around and don't care about the customers. And so you have these transactional relationships. You have these relationships where you're, you're pressuring me to buy Facebook Cappy because you don't care. You know, you just want to get your job done. You don't want to get yelled at anymore by your boss. Who's getting yelled at by their boss. Who's getting yelled at by the CEO that we're not selling enough Facebook Cappy. And so you're just like, whatever, I'll just, I'll just sell it. It's not the right thing for them, but I'll sell it. Cause I don't want to get yelled at. I want to keep getting my paycheck you know, so it should come as no surprise that these are the uh, experiences that we're we're creating, and really, 
as the saying goes, the fish stinks from the head down. The way to solve this is we have to start at the top and work down. We have to care about our employees. We have to create an environment where they feel trusted and safe, and they're going to turn around and do the right thing for, for our customers. And that may sound scary um, to, to employers because, oh, we have this, you know, we have to sell so much Facebook copy to hit our quota. Um, but I posted about this on, on Twitter this morning you know, we, we've convinced ourselves that we have to make sales and profit our purpose. And we absolutely don't that you can run a highly successful company, highly profitable, making lots of money. And have that as Yvonne Chouinard says, as he says, the Zen masters say that profit is not a purpose profit is a result an outcome of doing everything else right. And, and that's the trick that I think we've played on ourselves is that we can't have profit and we can't meet our quotas from Facebook unless we make that our goal. It's absolutely wrong. I think business has proven that you can do everything else right. Treat your employees right. Give the right recommendations to your clients. Sometimes it's Facebook happy. Sometimes it isn't. And you know what? You still can hit your quota. You know, it's not this magical thing that you have to make that quota your, your driving force. In fact, it's proven. I've seen it from personal experience. When you make that your your goal, it becomes harder to reach. It becomes slippery and hard to grasp. The harder you chase it, the harder that runs away from you. And sadly, instead of creating a workforce of employees that care about your customers, what it does create is a workforce of employees being um, managed under this like Machiavellian carrot and stick. If I don't work, if I don't sell Facebook copy, I'm going to get whipped. It puts them in a place where they're forced to question their own ethics and values. And that's where things get really, really scary. Yeah. So related to that, but unrelated to our topic. And I've, I've talked about this before. There was an agency I worked for many years ago and they made billability rate, the quarterly goal, not a unit of measure, but an actual goal, maintaining a billability rate of 85% or something like that. And you want to talk about employees and, you know, putting, you know, basically putting their ethics on the line. My goal, my, you know, my ability to keep my job yeah, I might fudge some numbers because that goal, you know, the number for that goal was in the complete hands of the employee based on what they entered into a timesheet. Yeah, I, I quickly answered someone, you know, a question for someone on that project, but yeah, I'm not going to put in 10 minutes. I'm going to put in 45 because I'm feeling a little short this week. And, and you so, know that happens. Oh, I know it happens. I've seen it happen. I've been in a room with lawyers wearing fancy suits questioning me about how that happens. I know it happens. Um, it, it's it's horrible. It's a horrible situation to put employees in. And unfortunately, we all end up paying the price because the market starts to see this and they become very um, wary, defensive of agencies, of, of vendors. Because, you know, it's it's like that we, we kind of pick on the used car thing, but everyone has been burned by this sleazy used car sales approach that anytime someone takes that tactic with you or you go in to buy a new car or a door-to-door salesperson comes by, what happens? Like you're instantly, like everybody is graded by the worst experience you've had. And, you know, we see that in services. We see that in consulting. And we hear it from companies like, 
dude, I, I'm going to tell you, we've been, we've been screwed over by lots of agencies. We've had lots of really bad experiences. So that's what we see you as until you prove otherwise. And that sucks because there's great agencies out there. There's great product vendors out there. But because there's so many bad actors in this these spaces that just don't care, we're all kind of being graded with that, and it hurts everybody. It hurts clients. It hurts vendors. It hurts agencies. It hurts. It hurts so many people. And, and worst of all, it hurts individuals. It hurts employees that are often powerless, and, and to your point, are are kind of pushed to the brink. Um, at the and I, we've heard this from people. I've heard people that I know say, Jason, like, honestly, I don't know. I just kind of threw numbers in there, gave recommendations. I knew they weren't right, but I've been yelled at so much. I've been threatened so much with my with my job and losing my, my pay and my benefits that I just don't care anymore. I just say what I need to say to keep people off my back. I'm like, this is awful. You know, I mean, speak about awful that we're giving bad advice to to companies but it's much more awful for how we're like treating these these individuals, these humans. Like this is just, it's not right. And someone needs to stand up and, and call it out because it's just, it can't continue forever. It's just such a horrific, horrific thing. And you, you know, you've been in, in services a long time and you have friends that work in services. Like, and if you're listening to this and you work in services or you know someone that works in services, I'm sure you've heard it. I'm sure you've heard the horror stories about how, dehumanizing it can be and how you just get so beaten up that you almost just give up and be like, all right, whatever they say, I just don't, you know, I don't want to get beat up about it anymore. And we've heard horror stories of agencies. I, one of my favorites, and I don't know who shared it was the story of a consulting team that, you know, uh, someone went on their honeymoon and came back and the manager's like, that's great, but now you got to work extra hours to make that up, you know? And so it's like, really, I got to work a couple 80 hour weeks to make it up. Or maybe I just fudge the numbers to say I did like awful, awful. Yeah. I've got a similar story um, that I've told here where I had a team and my guy, one of my guys on the team, he was a top performer in every, every measure, whether it's the billability rate, the utilization rate that the company cared about clients and projects done well, which I cared about every measure. He was a top performer. He'd been with the company for years. He goes away to get married and go on his honeymoon. He's gone for two and a half weeks or something like that. And I get called into, into the office, his billability rates down. I'm like, yeah, he's been out for part of the month, which we've been preparing for. Mm, Like we made, we did. It wasn't like this. All of a sudden he just took off for two weeks. We've been planning for it. He got the work he needed to get done before he left. You know, he knew what he needed to pick up with when he came back. We had planned for everything. What was Bill Bilby right now? I'm like, yes, he's away on his honeymoon. Well, he needs to get back up. He will when he comes back. <laughs> Look at his history. He'll be fine when he comes back. Okay, I just want to make sure you know. I'm like, I know, because I've been planning for him being out for this period of time for six months. Like that was the conversation. It was the dumbest effing meeting ever. You know, it wasn't like the guy just screwed around for two weeks. Like it wasn't like he was in the office and didn't book anything for two weeks. It wasn't like he, he sat there and ignored clients for two weeks. He was out for a, you know, a, a period of time that was planned for. And the guy's away on his honeymoon. It's like, you people need to get a grip. 
<laughs> I remember back to my, and we're, we're kind of going way off, off tangents here, but it, you reminded me of a story. My first job uh, at a college, I, I can't even remember the context, but one of the guys on the team was on vacation. I think a well, well-deserved vacation, pro- I mean, had vacation time, had put in for it months in advance. Um, and he went on a cruise and we, we were having some trouble with the software that, that we were writing. And I remember someone in a meeting just stood up and said, call that guy and get his ass off that boat. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's on vacation. So, oh yeah. Again, like, you know, it's, it's all about, it's, it's all about having things in proper perspective and knowing why we do what we do. And, you know, this, this conversation's kind of been about who, who the ultimate buyer is and, and what we're selling. But ultimately, I think a lot of this comes down to, to purpose and why we do what we do. And if we don't have a purpose, our default purpose is to make a profit. And if our default purpose is to make a profit, then I'm going to force my team and beat up my team to push things that are going to give us the biggest profit. And that's what's happening with Facebook Happy. Clearly, like this is a money grab by lots of agencies. Their purpose is to make money. Um, they've they've found that through a partnership with Facebook, that's a easy route to line the bank account with lots of money. And so because that's their purpose, that's what gets delivered to the team, beat them over the head with the message. They turn around and beat up the clients over the head with the message, trick them into buying it. And most of the times it's a it's a bad decision. So there's bad experiences, but again, there's no accountability because on to the next toast and, you know, keep repeating the cycle until someone stands up and says enough is enough. You know, we're not going to play this game anymore. Yeah. And, and all you do is, is, is hope in many ways, or, you know, I'll, I'll be corny for a minute and say, you know, be the change that, that you want, want to see. Well, it has to start somewhere, right? Yeah. It, I mean, it's got to start at the grassroots. Like, and it's really, really hard because when you're, when you want to be the change and no one else is the change. Have you seen the video? I think we've shared the video. I'm going to go find it. So you can, is, is it the ripple video? No, it's not the ripple video. Um, uh, it's called uh, Sasquatch Music Festival 2009 Guy Starts Dance Party. No, I haven't seen this one. Okay, well, I'll send it to you. But the 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 concept is is that, and I think there's there's someone that had done kind of a um, done some kind of like overlay on it where they talk about you know one guy off dancing by himself is like a crazy weirdo. You know, two guys are kind of two weird dudes doing it. But then all of a sudden, more and more people join, and now it's uh, a movement, and now it's it's cool and it's normal, and everyone wants to be involved in it. And it's really hard to be those first one and two people. You have to really be passionate and invested in wanting to make a movement, wanting to make change. And we've seen this from rejecting the billable hour to fully remote work, to autonomy and trust of employees. We, we have been very, very early on in that movement and you get labeled and you get attacked and you're the weird people and this doesn't work and you guys are crazy, your ideas don't work. And then all of a sudden, there's a whole group of people and now it's the cool thing. Well, of course, it, we always knew it worked. Like we wanna be part of the dance party. So it's, it's really, really hard, but we need people right now to be those one or two people that get out and dance on their own and look like the weirdos and say, 
enough is enough. You know, enough is enough with these relationships that vendors and agencies have that are pushing things that are not necessarily in the best interest of clients. This has to stop. This isn't okay, right? And I'm out there saying it. And people attack me and say, you're wrong. You're you're stupid. You don't know how this works. I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to keep saying this until another person joins me and another person joins me. And then you're going to join me too and say, yeah, this is a bad way of doing business. So we need help. We need people to get up and dance and look weird and say, these type of host virus relationships don't work. We need symbiotic relationships. And that works. And to tie it back to other parts of what we've talked about, I would then think it's safe to say if you're a leader in that in, in that kind of position and you see the issues here, you need to give your team a reason to care in order to make that change. Because like we said, you know, related to our topic, keeping the ultimate buyer in mind takes effort and it takes caring. You know, it's employees hard. that are just there to check off a list are not going to do that. Yeah, caring caring is hard because you have to put forth energy and investment just as an individual. But to do this as an organization, it's really, really hard. Like think about any company, a fast food restaurant, a hotel where you've had a really good experience across all of that. You think that just happens organically because the CEO has a pep rally? No, it's really, really hard. They have to put structures and trainings in place and make sure and put the right uh, culture in place to make sure that every one of your employees is focused on giving incredible service and creating amazing experiences for your customers. It doesn't just happen. It takes a lot of work. And that's why most businesses don't do it, right? Most businesses are saying, we're okay just doing the job because we're going to get paid. And as we've talked about internally, we have this framework of the job to craft the experience. The job isn't en enough. The job is just the foundation. We have to care about being highly focused on quality, and even that's not good enough. What, what our customers are demanding from us is that we create incredibly positive experiences, and it is hard. <laughs> It's hard. Just think about how much time and energy we put into it every week to ensure that happens. But it sure is worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't have much to, to add on there. Um, and I, I'll say this, like this episode definitely took a different track than I had originally thought of. But I think it it is a meaningful conversation because it does get to the root of, you know, it's easy. It is easy to say, okay, so I do have something to add. Um, <laughs> it is easy to say we care about our customers. It's easy to, you know, put that slogan together. It's easy to say we, we have our customers' best interests in mind. But if you have teams that don't care, that are pushed to the point, beyond the point of caring, your customer's best interests are not going to be in you know, kept in mind. Nope. You're going to have teams that are going to be executing based on what is most expedient for the day. And, and again, in order to make this work, it has to happen across your entire organization. And, and that's the hard part. Yeah. Uh, again, like think about any experience. You could, let, let's take a hotel. You could have a great experience at the front desk. You're going to have a great experience with housekeeping. You have a great experience with, you know, the people out of the pool. But let's say you have something wrong in the room and you have a horrible experience with maintenance. That's going to paint your entire experience with the brand. So that's the hard part is it, 
it's got to be everybody and it takes work and dedication and constantly focused on it. And if you're not treating your employees right, it's impossible to create. I- I- impossible. It's got to start there. Yep. Totally agree. So I think that's a good spot to, to wrap up, uh, for this week. Um, yeah, like I said, a great conversation definitely went a different path than I, uh, for, foreseen when I, I first kind of wrote this episode out, but, uh, but great nonetheless. And it definitely puts a different perspective on it. Yeah. And, and that's what I, and that's what I think the beauty of this podcast is and, and kind of is true to our, um, original mission for this podcast is we didn't want to write a script. We didn't want to sit down and plan this out. We, we wanted to create some topics, but we wanted it to be, this is what, you know, a couple colleagues sitting down at a table to have lunch would talk about. And, you know, those aren't scripted. Those conversations meander and they find their natural peaks and valleys. And that's what I, I hope that our listeners get out of the, this podcast is it is natural or this is just how people talk. And hopefully by doing that, we're creating incredible value through that authenticity and transparency. Yeah. Um, and it's easy. You want to talk about, you know, easy versus hard. It would be easy for us to sit here and say, well, if you're engaged in a project and you want to keep your ultimate buyer in mind, these are the questions you need to ask. And this is the digging you need to do instead of why, you know, examining why do companies have trouble with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, fully agreed. Yeah. Well, awesome. So yeah, let's go ahead and wrap up there. Um, And we'll catch everybody later. See ya. See ya. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.